0: hello and welcome it is Friday it is the west beach challenges podcast and in today's episode I thought it would be really good to go through some of the questions that came up in check-ins because I do know that if one person is asking the question that it probably means that there are more of you where um, the information would be relevant so I'm going to share it here because it's a great way to get into your ears so maybe pop me into your ears and take me for a walk I'm going to try and keep it under half an hour so that should mean you can get i don't know how many thousands of steps well let me know maybe tag me say uh West Beach Fitness Challenges podcast takes me and then how many steps. So really good to again link these things. If you are struggling, today is a very random weather day. It is basically hailing, snowing or raining. Um, But make sure you have weatherproofed getting out still because you know it's still going to make you feel better. And often you have to. And if you haven't listened to the um, dopamine podcast, sometimes when we are looking to feel better, we kind of chase things that we know give us that kind of instant dopamine hit, like maybe going and getting a biscuit or a pastry um, or indulging in some television. And actually, if we are looking to feel better, we actually need to push into discomfort. And that might be doing a training session. You don't really feel like uh, getting out in strange weather. And what will happen is you will then be sort of pushing on the other side of the equation and your body will have to bring you back to level because you will have pushed into discomfort. You're going to internally drive that kind of feeling of happiness and kind of getting back into balance. So if you are ever feeling, oh, it's actually better to seek out something that kind of pushes you into discomfort rather than seeking out things that give you immediate comfort, because although you'll get that quick dopamine hit, it's not gonna be as sweet. So if that sounds like something you need to embrace today, have a think, maybe it's a cold shower, maybe you can just go stand out in the in the hail, but whatever it is, um, yeah, make sure if you are feeling blur that you think about something that's gonna push you into a bit of discomfort and you will feel better afterwards. Has there ever been a time where you've gone, oh, I wish I hadn't gone out for that walk? Because actually when you get back into a warm house, it just feels better than it did maybe when it was feeling claustrophobic and like the walls were closing in. So just a little reminder if you can multitask or you know get some washing put away or another chore that you are putting off whilst listening. So there we go. Um, so little things I thought I'd go through. So these were things that people either wanted to be talked about on the podcast or barriers that people have been facing this week. And one of them was asking for, what are the benefits of journaling? And I know that it's so much easier to engage in a habit when you know that the kind of the science behind why it might help. So if you haven't engaged in journaling yet, I would say the main reason for doing it and if you are struggling generally in, you know, meeting your nutrition target, getting your movement up, getting your exercise in, I would say rather than even focusing on those as being, you know, my one thing today is going to be steps, I'd actually say to take it down another level and just say that my one thing is going to be that I'm going to embed journaling for two weeks and I'm going to hundred percent commit to it. It's so much easier when we a hundred percent commit to something. And the act of journaling is really important because it's going to be making sure on a twice daily occurrence that you are checking in with yourself, that you are checking in, that your actions are aligning with the type of person that you are striving to be so although i check in with you that's not as frequent as twice daily and actually you need to create this kind of intrinsic so internal motivation for change and if you are consistently journaling and you've got repetitive themes coming up It is going to start to sort of change your neural pathways and your activations for making those habits more likely to start appearing in your day. So if at the end of a day you reflect that the one thing you want to do tomorrow better is get your steps in, you're going to be set up. So your brain is going to be set up. You are going to be uh, much more activated um, to get that to succeed the next day. And again, if you don't hit it the next day, but you have to write it down again, again, it's just gonna start nudging up the top of your priority list. It's going to physically take up a little bit more space, a bit more thought space. And if you're thinking about it more, you're much more likely to get these things ticked off. So just as a very brief reminder, you wake up in the morning and you say the one thing you're gonna do today to make that day great, You finish the sentence, I'm working towards being a person who, so really make sure that this is lining up with your values, the type of person you're wanting to be. Maybe you're still finding that you're going into the office and just mindlessly eating. So maybe it's, I'm working towards being a person who consciously eats, takes time over eating, thinks about what they're putting in their body. So again, it's that, Um, identity-based habit change is so much more successful. So really thinking about, well, if I was a person who really thought about their nutrition and their food, what would that person do in this scenario? And it's gonna help you navigate those things that come up day to day. So again, starting to think about that. And then obviously it's the 10 press-ups. Why 10 press-ups? It could be 10 squats. It could be 10 um, sit-ups, it could be anything, but I do think there's something about inserting some movement early in your day that gives you a bit of respect for your body. I was reading um, some information and a bit of research about the fact that if you have body image issues, Just the practice of yoga can be really important for helping you shift into a more positive relationship with your body. And again, I think it is just that recognition that you've put some movement into your day. You've lived in a body, you've moved that body and you start to gain some respect for what that body can do. And for some of us where we don't find it easy to really love the body we're living in at the moment, but we're wanting to feel more neutral about it because, even if ultimately you are feeling like you want to shift your body composition, and that's fine, that is a valid goal. It's still much easier if you're coming from a place of body neutrality, even if sort of body love feels like it's too much of a jump. So it's gonna be very tricky to put in kind behaviors that are gonna look after you better, that are eventually going to move you to those body composition changes if you're coming from a place of hating yourself into change. So again, just having that movement inserted early on in your day is gonna be really fantastic for reminding you, what can your body do? Shifting that focus from what your body looks like, all the areas of your body that cause you dissatisfaction to actually thinking, Over the last six weeks, my body has got stronger. My body can now do two press-ups on its toes. My body can do. So rather than, you know, my body looks like this and it has this area and I really don't like it, you're much more thinking functionally about what your body enables you to do. What's starting to feel easier in this stronger body? Maybe it's that you can run up the stairs without getting out of breath maybe you can bring the shopping in in one go maybe you're just feeling physically and sometimes physical strength also makes you feel mentally stronger as you know if you do a hard thing in the morning you start again voting for being the type of person that can do hard things and you might start trusting in yourself a bit more for the rest of the day so it's a bit like a domino effect it's a compound effect of these small little actions during your day these small votes for being this type of person that you want to be that 100% start building up to be those big changes. And then the journaling at the end of the day is a reflection. So like what went well? Because you have to start rewarding yourself. You have to start looking for the positives. So what went really well? What are you proud about? Maybe you went to Starbucks and normally you would have ordered a croissant, but you didn't. And you went to HRO's and you bought a delicious Greek yogurt and a piece of fruit instead. And that voted for the type of person you want to be and you're proud of yourself because you have to reward yourself. Again, if you want to keep in these Uh, neural pathways of embedding the change you want to see, you have to take time to reflect and congratulate yourself. And then if there was something that maybe didn't go as planned, you just reflect about how can you improve it tomorrow? And it's this whole idea that you can just switch your mindset around. You are not somebody anymore who notices that one tire has gone down, so you slash the other four. You're someone who very quickly can get back on track. And that's another perfect reason for doing this journaling so at the end of the day what could i do better tomorrow how could i improve tomorrow maybe it's you know i didn't get the workout in but i should have really put it in at the beginning of the day okay i'm going to do it early um, i was listening to something really interesting about the anxiety cost so say on a monday you decide you always work out on a monday but you haven't designated a specific time you are gonna have an anxiety cost. So all the time you're not doing that workout, it's kind of hanging over you. And the longer it hangs over you, the higher that anxiety cost is. So another good reason, if you're able to insert some of these habits, maybe some of these things you're struggling with a little bit more, the ones that kind of do cause you that kind of feeling of anxiety, or you you just have something hanging over you, to get it done earlier, so the anxiety cost is lower. And you can just bask in that satisfaction that whatever it was that you wanted to do, you got it done. Also, there was a really nice question, and it was about someone who is already hitting the non-negotiable of training. Probably, it sounds like, actually um, exceeding the three times a week and maybe hitting more like four And the question was around, if there is an extra uh, amount of time you just stumble across, I don't know if many people ever get this, but you've just got a little bit of extra time and opportunity to do a bit more. Where is it best to invest your time? And hopefully by now, some of you have listened to... Uh, the majority of the podcasts and I did do one about the fact that more isn't always more and I really want to be optimizing you and that means that not only do we want to optimize your training we also want to optimize your recovery and your rest otherwise you are just spinning your wheels so doing sort of seven quite intensive sessions doing something every day not resting not kind of working on sort of down-regulating your system ever actually might be working against you it might be increasing the amount of stress hormone that's in your body it may be hindering your ability to actually uh, put down some lean muscle and uh, become more metabolic because you're not giving your body a chance to rest and recover. So if you have found that you are easily kind of hitting the amount of training sessions and you've just got a bit of spare time, probably, and this is very particular because sometimes I think we don't remember how important steps are. I would actually much prefer, if you found yourself with time on your hands, to be popping in a walk. So thinking about sort of stacking up some steps, going on an extra long purposeful walk, and just making sure that you're generally increasing your movement. And this again is particular to those people who are looking for fat loss. It might be that throwing in loads of additional cardio is going to make adherence to your calories much harder because you're going to be hungry. Or if you're looking to build a more metabolic body, but you're already kind of at the top end of your training, adding in even more stress to those muscles, isn't going to be benefiting you and may not be leading you to where you're wanting to, to go with your body either so certainly if you are hitting you know the upper end and you are thinking you'd still like to train and it probably should be a rest day it probably should be a rest day and i'd much prefer that you've got some extra steps in than overtrained so overtraining is is something that can be really easy to do um, but i want you all of as a minimum to be having two days of rest that doesn't mean on those rest days that you can't do things like walking or even things like swimming are actually just really good for increasing the amount you're moving without putting excessive stress through the joints but definitely not sneaking workouts into those two rest days or popping in excessive amounts of cardio if fat loss is your goal because it's going to make things harder you're going to be using up the energy that maybe you needed to basically build the muscle Um, so if you think about creating a wall, you need cement to keep the bricks together. It's very similar. If you are running at a a bit of a calorie deficit, but you've got a bit of fat, it is possible to still lay down some lean muscle mass. But if you're then doing excessive amounts of cardio, you're not going to have the cement to build that, that new metabolic body you're after. So more is definitely not more. And if you have any more questions about that or specific training um questions and obviously just message me directly and we can talk about your sort of specific timetable for the week and just check that you are optimizing things because nobody wants to spend their whole life working out not even me so just knowing where to put your energy and effort to get the biggest bang for your buck is really really crucial there was another question about what to do when hunger strikes and Firstly, I'm really happy to hear that hunger is striking. I do think now for some of us, particularly if you've had a really broken history with eating and maybe you have been on lots of fad diets, you may have uh, anxiety around feeling hunger and that kind of wanting to take snacks just in case you're going to experience hunger and not feeling comfortable with sitting with any degree of hunger and I speak from experience, as with many of these things, I can relate. And sometimes I'll be overthinking the fact, oh, I might be training later and I don't want to be hungry, so I'll eat now, even if I'm not massively hungry at that point in time. But there's so much benefit to getting back in touch with what hunger feels like, to start to notice how, physiologically you start to feel hungry, actually waiting for some of those signs like your tummy starting to rumble. Um, Definitely if you are in a pattern of eating you'll probably find that you've got uh, anticipation around your meal times. And that's probably leading up to those meal times when your body starts to get ready. So it's quite a regulated system. And if you do have a regular pattern of eating, it will anticipate that and get ready for that. So you will start to feel hungry around those meal times. Interestingly, if you've ever had to kind of skip your ordinary meal time, you will find that it's a bit like a wave and it will peak. And then it will drop off again. And it probably then won't rise until your next anticipated meal time. So, although you do get that spike in hunger hormone, it often will surge and then it will dissipate. And sometimes knowing that's quite helpful. You are able to go with, you know, it's not ideal. I don't like to skip any meals personally, but it's not going to do you any harm to sit with hunger. And I do think that's the first thing you have to start telling yourself. Hunger is not an emergency by any means. We all live in a, highly convenient world where we're never very far away from being able to access some food. So starting to be a bit more relaxed around hunger signals, noticing them and acknowledging them and respecting them is also key because we need to make sure that you are then planning something that is going to line up with your current goals. So you're going to hopefully be thinking, I'm a bit hungry, it's four o'clock and I'm going to think about a protein that I enjoy and think about how I can make that a complete snack, because I know that's gonna tide me over to dinner time. But just starting to notice hunger, and you just because you notice it doesn't mean you have to respond immediately. Because you have experienced like a little bit of hunger doesn't mean you need to sort of stuff the next thing that comes into view into your face. That will happen if you let hunger go on too, too long, Um, you would definitely find it harder to resist foods that maybe don't really line up with what you're wanting to fuel your body with. But starting to notice it and then make a kind of plan or have a a snack that is your go-to snack at that moment in time or something that you're particularly enjoying, ready in the fridge or you know, readily available, but you don't need to act upon hunger as if it were an emergency. And if for any reason you weren't able to get a snack, reminding yourself you're going to be absolutely fine we have all got plenty of energy in our systems anyone listening to this podcast you know we would all be absolutely fine it's a bit uncomfortable but nothing bad's gonna happen and just like a wave it will rise and peak and then it will fall and kind of just knowing that i think sometimes can really help talking about protein i had a really good question about the best combinations of protein and asking about kind of processed proteins compared to proteins from natural sources like meat and fish. And I'm not going to lie, I think you all know that I do use protein powder, uh, but I also know that that probably isn't completely optimal for you know, in the protein powder that I use, I'm very aware that there are artificial sweeteners and flavorings because the flavor I like is banana fudge or chocolate peanut. I don't think that's being naturally derived. So that's one thing. So I know probably from a purist health point of view, if I was trying to be, I know we don't really use that term anymore, but really clean using things like protein powders i mean the actual way is obviously just like milk so it's not really that but it's probably the other additional things they put with it to make it taste uh, nice enough to consume that is artificial and processed so your body is always going to prefer protein that is probably derived from natural sources and if you were to see a nutritionist i'm sure they would advocate finding whole food real foods that you enjoy eating um that are high in protein rather than substituting in things as convenient as protein powder the case for protein powder is it is super convenient it's super easy if you enjoy a protein shake in the afternoon it's a relatively low calorie option and really really filling and it will likely help you um, satiate any hunger stave off um hunger pangs until dinner time and you haven't had to spend very many calories on it obviously whole foods you don't just get whole foods that are just protein you'll also be getting in some fats and some carbohydrates and it's likely that you're going to be spending a bit more of your energy budget if you're trying to eat 25 grams of whole food protein as a snack. But certainly in meal times, super easy to hit your protein with just real foods. And I'm not saying it's not super easy. I'll have to do something, won't I, about um, 25 gram protein snacks. For me, it's just really easy and convenient for that to be a protein shake. But maybe you guys, if you've got things that you are um, eating at snack time that are about 25 grams in protein, uh, then let me know. I mean, the high hitters are things like cottage cheese. Obviously, having a couple of eggs is going to be about 14 grams of protein. Um, so then mixing things up, getting a bit of quinoa in there maybe. Um, if you are into snacking on just some chicken breast, that would be super easy, or prawns. But again, there's the whole eco um argument as well that maybe we should be trying to look for non-animal based forms of protein so maybe part of your value is that you're trying not to consume animals four times a day and again that can be tricky because you can have a body composition goal which is one thing and it would probably be much easier to hit those targets if you were happily um, consuming animal products four times a day however if you're moving to plant-based proteins it is more complicated it's harder to get the same volume of protein for the same amount of calories etc so it's really personal and it depends on all of those things so kind of what your values are what you're wanting to do with your body also remembering, I know we spoke about it a while ago, but what your beliefs are about the food that you're eating. So if you're having that protein shake and your belief around that is that it's enjoyable, it aligns with the type of person you're trying to be, um, You know you don't have any qualms about having whey or kind of a milk-based drink in the afternoon that's going to do you a lot of good however if you're having it but you're conflicted because you're trying not to have dairy and you don't like artificial sweeteners just that knowledge and that belief that what you're having maybe isn't particularly good for you will mean that it is less good for you so just remembering that kind of brain body connection But certainly tag me, guys, if you are eating things that are high in protein, whole foods, um, kind of lower on the energy side. Because, again, you don't want to be having a snack that is sort of 500 calories. And I did once move to a non-artificially sweetened um, protein powder. But the problem was to make it taste of anything, I had to add peanut butter and I had to add, what else did I have to add? Oh, like a sweetener of some sort and a bit of banana. And it was delicious, I'm not gonna lie, but it was also probably about 500 calories, which for me is more like a a mealtime calorie goal than it would be just for a snack. But it is gonna be really, really personal to you. Um, So just kind of thinking about that as well is quite important. And now I'm gonna open my, uh, I keep notes basically. So I really like to listen as you guys know, to lots of podcasts, and I hope what I do is kind of distill it. So, there has been a lot of gut health podcasts going on, and I do think it's really, really fascinating. And this whole kind of gut brain link, and the fact that so much of our health and well being is really going to be determined about how well we're looking after our gut health. And I think in this group, I've spoken about it quite a bit before but we all know that the bacteria in our gut biome like to eat different things which is why we talk about variety it's why we're always looking for a rainbow of fruit and vegetables because different bacteria that live in your gut thrive off different fibers so that's why it's really important and in the literature now they're talking a lot about trying to get in at least 30 different um fruits and vegetables and seeds and nuts and all of those types of plant-based um products Is product's the right word maybe not but basically trying to get in at least 30 different types of uh, natural things like seeds and nuts and fruit and veg the reason being that that means you'll be getting different forms of fiber that different bacterias like to feed off and that will hopefully mean that you're um going to be living in a body with a thriving um little community of bacteria in your gut because we know that's really important for your immune system and your mental health and just generally how your body is functioning. So the, and then it was really interesting because there, I don't know, and I don't think there's anyone in the group recently who's asked me about it, but there can be a lot of pressure. And I realize we're coming up to that kind of pre summer, time when people might be thinking about doing silly things. So I suppose this is like a a little klaxon for, I'm just gonna remind you why we don't do silly things. Like we don't do really large amounts of fasting. And I've never really been a proponent of that because I just like eating so much and it doesn't really appeal to me. But I was actually listening to a very interesting podcast and they were talking about how when you go into these fasting periods, what can happen is that you actually have to start eating your own um, sort of gut biome. So you might have created this really thriving community of little uh, gut bacterias. And then by going into a fasted state, your body obviously has to start breaking things down to feed itself. And unfortunately, part of what it will break down is also things like your um, gut bacteria. And I had never thought about that before. And then there was another um, thing that I was listening to the other day, which again, I just never made the connection, but they were talking about how if you don't have a diet that's full of fiber, that that is often one of the things that causes leaky um, gut because normally, ov- obviously these bacteria, they kind of line your gut walls. But if you're not feeding them with fiber, they're not lining your gut walls. So you get this leaky gut because you don't have this kind of cushioning of all these like healthy, thriving um, bacterias keeping your gut healthy. So if you're somebody who really isn't getting in a variety of fiber and you don't have this, Nice little um gut biome happening that can that is what does lead to that thing that you might have heard of called leaky gut because you just don't have that protection, so again, I thought it was just really good to remind ourselves why we're needing more, why we need more variety, more color why we need to go to the shops and maybe see what's seasonal. Maybe we need to try a different type of a vegetable that we like, because it will be slightly different in its makeup. It will have slightly different fibre, and that will feed slightly um, different bacteria and diversify the bacteria that are thriving in our gut, as well as obviously making sure that we're getting in some fermented foods. And fermented foods... from everything, and I think I did listen to one which is about three hours long the other day, but to distill it into about two minutes, I would say fiber, make sure you get loads of it in. So more fruit, more vegetables in whole forms, do not put it in a blender because all you're gonna be doing is kind of chopping up and it was sort of releasing the sugars from the fruit and vegetables really readily without getting all of the benefit that you would get from eating the whole fruit. So obviously if you're chucking half a banana in your protein shake, that's one thing, but generally make it be that you eat your fruit and vegetables and that you're not drinking your fruit and vegetables as much as possible. I'm not saying never do it. I know there's some people that really enjoy it and if it's working for you, fine, but make sure you're eating plenty alongside it and it's not sort of as a substitute too. Um, And then the last thing I wanted to say about um, gut health, they were talking about how dangerous it can be so if you have cultivated even if it's not like the most spinkly sparkling um, gut biome and sort of diverse bacteria in your gut if you go on something like a juice cleanse what happens is that obviously whilst you're juice cleansing you're probably restricting calories a lot so you'll probably be kind of eating up your gut bacteria and then after you've done any of these crazy cleanses, which I would seriously advise you don't do. And always message me if you're having a funny moment. So basically you're just doing yourself such a massive disservice on so many levels that I probably won't go into right now, but also you're eating up your healthy um, gut biome and sort of getting rid of the bacteria that's hopefully helping you kind of digest your food and break up your food. But then if you go back to your old diet behaviors and you don't go and improve your diet massively, and I must say, most people that go on juice cleanses do it sporadically and then go back to their old eating behaviors are actually just really doing their gut bacteria a real disservice because they're just reducing the variety of microbes that are living in their gut each time they do it and then going back to their previous dietary patterns which probably weren't creating the best gut biome in the world anyway but I thought that was really interesting because we often hear these things like gut cleanses or you know um, going on juice diets so it's really made me think quite differently about um, sort of sustained or prolonged fasting and also has made me think well i think i always thought it was a really bad idea but also made me think it's a really really bad idea to do anything like a a gut cleanse because you don't want to get rid of the bacteria you might want to improve the community down there and make sure that there's more variety living in your gut biome but you don't want to clear them all out particularly if then you don't um revert to some kind of amazing fermented foods diet because you're just not going to be doing yourselves any favor. So it's much better to just think about what you've got is what you've got and you can improve upon it by including more fibrous food, more fermented foods. So things like kefir and kombucha are two things that I just happen uh, to be very into at the moment. If anyone lives locally and needs kefir grains, you just need to let me know because I have a lot. But um, again, just the importance of getting those foods in regularly, and just how many health benefits there are. And then what I wanted to do is just go on and move on to chat about motivation a little bit more. And I know I dropped a podcast earlier on in the week about that idea of being intrinsically motivated. And I just wanted to talk a little bit more about the fact that, If you think about, and I did hear this from somebody else, I'm not gonna take credit for it, but when you're trying to create a habit and, Maybe you've always had a path that you've taken, so that path is well trodden. Maybe it is the habit of snacking after dinner, and it's so ingrained, you don't even think about it. You've got up off the sofa, you've gone to the cupboard, which has got the good stuff in it. You've kind of mindlessly taken some stuff out, and you've gone back to the sofa. And that pathway is so well trodden, you don't even have to think about it. And then the first time you decide that you want to change that habit, that habit isn't serving you, you're not even probably really maybe even enjoying that habit or it's certainly keeping you stuck and you feel like if only you could change that habit, things would be easier for you. So they talked about if you are in a cornfield and you have trodden that one path, that's the easiest path, that's the path of least resistance. So when you're building a new habit, you have to walk through the long grass and how that's gonna be really tricky initially. But the more you reinforce that kind of new neural pathway or that new way of being, the easier it will be to continue to take that path. And I just thought that was a really, quite a nice image, if you are thinking about behavior change. And if you think about the way you're doing things now, it doesn't have to be the way you do it forever. But it certainly is the way where there's least resistance at the moment. So then thinking about setting up your environment better to kind of push you through the long grass, to make you create a new pathway, a pathway that's going to serve you much, much better. And I think for so many of us, it might be that you just need to change the ritual or the routine, because the last thing I want you to do is feel like you're restricting yourself, you're not allowed something. So for me, I know what works really well after dinner is making sure that I do have a, a dessert, if you like. And I mean, it can be anything, but normally in the week or a majority dessert type behavior is probably Greek yogurt with some frozen berries, maybe some seeds, but not a huge quantity, like a, a really kind of small little glass. And sometimes I layer it up with chia seeds or maybe a bit of like granola on top, but again, not loads. Because if you did have a really big pot of that, it probably would be probably about 500 calories probably be a bit more like a breakfast kind of serving. So just making sure that it's something to kind of top off the meal, something to scratch the itch, something that feels pleasurable, indulgent, something that is delicious. And then to have like a herbal tea and then maybe you brush your teeth and then that kind of puts to bed your eating for the day and you know that your gut, let's get back to the gut, is gonna be much happier resting and digesting and not eating up until the moment that you go to sleep. And knowing that and having that knowledge, it's not that I can't eat more, but I know that I sleep much better when I close my eating window at eight. And I've talked to a few of you that I'm coaching about eating windows and even reminding yourself of that. So I've, you know, you open up your eating window and then you close them and trying not to do this kind of grazing, mindless kind of snacking in between. It's not very satisfying i think even if your stomach notices that there's food there your head doesn't really and then it can still feel like you haven't really looked after yourself or nourished yourself properly even if you've consumed the calories they were more inhaled than enjoyed so thinking about having these windows of eating where you're mindful where you're thinking about the experience where you've thoughtfully put together some food that you know you're gonna enjoy that serves you that aligns with the type of person you're trying to be that you know is going to be satisfying and then having a little ritual of something you do. So after I've had lunch, I will always, or most of the time have a piece of fruit, trying to make it a different piece of fruit now every day. And again, that's my ritual and then a mint tea. And then again, it closes it until I'd come up to kind of my 4 p.m. protein shake window so starting to put things in place like that that idea of opening windows of time closing windows of time having things that are satisfying nourishing delicious and then knowing that you're never going to have to wait that long before you're eating again and if your plate was balanced if you've used the plate method you should easily be able to get to that next eating window and the really nice thing to remember and this kind of relates back to the person who was asking about how to deal with hunger food tastes about eight zillion times nicer and more delicious when you're actually hungry for a meal. So reminding yourself, that's the reason you're allowing yourself to get hungry. It's not because you're on a diet and you're restricting yourself. It's because you know when you come to eat again, it's going to taste just like brilliant and that will be more satisfying and hopefully that will ease you into again, being able to close that eating window and then know that you can get a bit hungry again in anticipation of what you're gonna be eating again later. Guys, I'm gonna leave that there because I do realize I always think I'll talk for about five minutes and I talk more for like half an hour. So let me know if there's any more things that you guys want to discuss. I have dropped an extra podcast in for those of you that are hopefully graduating with us, although you have week six waiting for you before you're allowed to graduate. And what else is happening? I have popped out a date for Alive. And if you are in the upgraded gang, we've got Pilates coming in. So lovely Helen's back and she's joining us. I do believe it's April the 12th, but let me know if there's any specific um, body areas you want her to target um, and she will be more than happy to oblige us. And that just leads me on to one other thing. I have sent out a type form survey today and it's just to ask you guys, I'm, I feel like I've got a bit more time coming up and I want to film new content. I want you to tell me what you want. Do you want some body specific training videos? Do you want equipment specific training videos? Is there anything in the app that you wished was there or that you wished there was more of? I know there's a lot in there. Maybe things, I'm thinking there should probably be more 20 minute videos maybe half an hour videos, shorter things that you can just pick up and snack on. But again, do let me know and I will chat with you all next week. All right, bye.